Comfort is a wonderful thing. Everyone loves comfort. Uh, when I was a kid on cold nights, my mom would sometimes get a comforter from our hallway closet and lay it over me so that I'd be extra warm. And they're called comforters for a reason. They give you a sense of warmth and a sense of security and a sense of safety. You know, somehow as kids, we thought the comforters pulled up to our chins would somehow protect us from what lurked in the darkness. Uh, comfort is wonderful, but as good as comfort is, in many ways, it assumes some threat or fear. Merriam-Webster defines comfort as consolation in time of trouble or worry and a feeling of relief or encouragement. Comfort or relief often follow uh, something frightening or something sad. The Heidelberg Catechism asks a very important question. What is your only comfort in life and death? And that's a good question because life is filled with threats and fears and we want comfort. And there is comfort in this life. Within the profound answer of Heidelberg, one is the basis for our only comfort in life and death. Referring to Jesus Christ the Savior, Heidelberg 1 says, He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood. And that assumes a bloody and brutal cross. When Ursinus referred to Christ's blood and payment for sin, he implied the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is central to our comfort in life and death. Isn't it a bit odd, though, that people refer today as Good Friday? God's Son suffers the most excruciating execution ever, and we celebrate it, call it good, and find comfort in it. Now, how many other executions do you call good and find comfort in? Hopefully not many. To call it Good Friday assumes that there's something good about the cross of Christ some benefit for us in it. So I want to ask the question, what did the cross of Christ achieve that gives us comfort? To answer this important question, I turn to Heidelberg 43, which asks this, what further benefit do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? And it answers, through Christ's death, our old nature is crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer reign in us, but that we may offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice of thankfulness. I'd like to highlight three good things that we receive by faith from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross. Now, there are many benefits, but these three remind us how good and comforting the cross is. Number one, Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross are good because our old self is crucified and buried with Christ. Your old self is your old sinful self. Or as Paul described in Ephesians 4, your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires. Our old selves are hell-bent on defying God. But the cross of Christ accomplishes something really good for us God's adopted children. The cross slayed our old self, our old identity. Our old self is dead. In Romans 6, Paul says things like, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we know that our old self was crucified with him. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. As much as Jesus was crucified on that cross, so was our old self. Before we live to Christ, our old man dies with Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Our old self was pierced and crushed with him so that we would subsequently raise with Christ to walk in the newness of life by faith alone. Saints, your old self was gruesomely crucified and buried so that you could live a new life in union with Christ. The cross secures a new life for you, which is your comfort. Now, if your old man is still living, you are still condemned. Only those who have been crucified with Christ and raised with Christ are alive and living to God. The death of the old man is comfort for those who belong to Christ. But how do we know that the cross of Christ was sufficient to satisfy the just wrath of God on our behalf? How do we know that it was good enough to save even us? The late Reformed theologian, pastor and author G.I. Williamson wrote this very helpful explanation. The biblical meaning must be that what Christ suffered on the cross was itself a descent into hell. Yes, because of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, it was possible for him to suffer the full measure of the infinite wrath and curse of God, what damnation is for the wicked. And because he did, you and I can be sure that God's justice is fully satisfied so that we shall escape that damnation. Here is the Christian's solid basis of hope. Your comfort in life and death is that Christ suffered the full measure of the infinite wrath and curse of God for you. And Williamson adds, is there really a hell? Look at the cross of Christ and you will know the answer. But that is not all. If you look in faith, you will also know that Jesus will never let you experience that horror. Brothers and sisters... His cross, your comfort. His pain, your gain. The cross, the cross is conclusive evidence that Jesus will never let you experience the horrors of hell, but has guaranteed you the happiness of heaven. Your old man is dead. You now live by faith in union with Christ. And as you walk by faith, the comfort that His cross has secured for you It's yours to enjoy, to delight in, to take comfort in, to take peace in. Number two, Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross are good because the evil desires of the flesh no longer reign in us. We we were helpless and oppressed beneath the despotism of sin. And our liberator Jesus came, assassinated the dictator, and overthrew his reign of death and destruction. We are liberated from the oppression of sin. Back to Romans 6.6. We know that our old self was crucified with him. And then Paul explains 
what the crucifixion of the old self results in, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. The cross of Christ has achieved our freedom, brothers and sisters, freedom from the tyranny and the reign of the devil. Pastor Andrew Brunson, you might know that name, he was in the news. He was falsely accused and arrested and detained in Turkey for two years. He lost 50 pounds during the heart-wrenching experience. And when he remembers his incarceration, I doubt that he wants to return to a Turkish prison. Does anyone want that? I doubt that. He is now free. He's now safe to live in America where he resides. And though he may grieve not being with the beloved church uh, in Turkey that he was a part of, I'd guess that he feels relief in not being in a Turkish prison anymore, living under the tyrannical reign of the Turkish government. I'd guess Andrew feels a keen sense of relief and comfort in being liberated. The cross of Christ has unlocked the gates of hell and liberated many from sin's tyranny to live free of sin's oppression for the glory and the honor of God. Paul gave great relief and comfort when he told the churches in Rome, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace, under grace. This doesn't mean that you can sin with impunity. It means the reign of sin in your life has been overthrown, overtaken, and you are truly free now in Christ to instead live to God, to live in obedience to Him. As we walk by faith in step with the pace and power of the Spirit, we are free to, to present ourselves to God every single day as instruments of righteousness. We don't want to go back. Who wants to go back? No, no. Who wants to be mastered by sin once again? No, but we'd rather live. Those who know Christ, we'd much rather live to please our Father in the freedom that He has achieved for us. Zacharias or Sinus explained this. Christ, by His death, has merited for us not only the pardon of sin, but also its removal and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or we may say that he has, by his own death, obtained for us not only the remission of sin, but the indwelling of God in us. The indwelling of God in us. Our only comfort in life and death is knowing that through his cross, Christ has purchased us for his own. Has set us free from all the power of the devil. And assures us of eternal life by His Spirit at work in us. Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross are good because the evil desires of the flesh no longer reign in us. Christ reigns in us, and He is our comfort. Number three, Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross are good because we now offer ourselves to Him as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. The cross of Christ does not simply rescue us from hell. That's a good thing, and it does that. Uh, or guarantee us heaven. It goes beyond that. It motivates us now to live a life that is pleasing to God. 
Make sure that you get that. Christ died a grisly and gruesome death on a cross to secure for you a life of gratitude. Romans 6.10 says that the life Christ lives, he lives to God. Jesus ever lives to God. Brothers and sisters, Jesus died so that you would live to God like him. And the cross secures that reality. So in Romans 6.11, Paul tells the church how to think about this. He writes, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You will find comfort for your souls when you consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.4 plainly states, just as Christ was risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We too might walk in newness of life. The cross of Christ secures your newness of life. How do we live a new life of gratitude? Well, Romans 12 verse 1 explains, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. How do you present yourself to God as a sacrifice of thankfulness? How do you do that? You do as Jesus did. By confidence in God and the power of the Spirit, you say no to sin in order to walk in newness of life. You, you do with your mind and body and soul what Jesus did with his mind and body and soul. Every day you offer yourself to God in worship and service and obedience because you love him, because you adore him. In Colossians 3, God commands thankfulness. He commands it. God says, be thankful. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You express your gratitude to God not by reveling in sin, not by going back to your former life, but by walking in the newness of life that the cross of Christ has secured for you. Listen to how well Ursinus explains this truth. We who believe that Christ obtained for us righteousness and the Holy Spirit cannot be otherwise than grateful to him and earnestly desire so to live that we may honor him, which is done by commencing to walk in newness of life. The application of the death of Christ and a proper consideration of it will not suffer us to remain ungrateful, but will constrain us to love Christ in return and to render thanks for such a great and inestimable benefit. To offer yourself to God as a sacrifice of thankfulness is to be controlled by the love of Christ and to express gratitude by walking in newness of life as a display of the power and the goodness of God's grace. Offering yourself to God as a sacrifice of thankfulness is not trying to pay God back for what he did for you. There's nothing you can do to ever pay God back. That's the meaning of grace. 
You are forever indebted to His grace. Gratitude is not repayment. Gratitude is spirit-filled and spirit-led praise and worship and adoration of God which magnifies the worth and supremacy of God. Gratitude is joy in receiving what can never be paid back and is expressed in commencing to walk in newness of life. Now, if someone came and paid off all of your current debt and gave you $6 trillion. $6 trillion. You'd be overwhelmed by their kindness and their, uh, their generosity. I mean, that would be an amazing thing. It would radically transform your life. And perhaps from that point on, you would treat them every week to lunch just to say thank you, just to spend time with them and you'd pay for their lunch out of the $6 trillion that they gave to you. That's not repayment. To buy them lunch is, is to take what they gave you and to use it to express thankfulness and love and adoration for what they've done for you. True gratitude is only that which truly honors the giver of the gift, and repayment doesn't honor the giver, especially consider, considering that repayment is impossible with God and His grace. Trying to repay God for the cross is arrogant and naive and does not honor Him. Living to magnify His limitless kindness and generosity honors Him. But there is something sobering to consider. Paul wrote to Titus, they profess to know God they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. In like manner, Sinus explains, He therefore who boasts of having applied to himself by faith the death of Christ and yet has no desire to live a holy and godly life, that he may so honor the Savior lies and gives conclusive evidence that the truth is not in him. For all those who are justified are willing and ready to do those things which are pleasing to God. That paragraph is profound. If, if your old self has truly been crucified with Christ, and if you are a new creation raised to new life with Christ, then the cross, the cross, the glorious cross, will produce in you a willingness and a readiness to do all things which please your Father. The desire, effort, and fruit is there. Is there. Comfort. Comfort is enjoyed when the desire, effort, and fruit are graciously grown in you by the Spirit through trust and confidence in Christ alone. Be comforted by your desire and your effort and the fruit uh, to please God that is in you, which the Spirit, only the Spirit can grow in you. Be comforted by that. Be assured by that. The Spirit's work in you. Why is Good Friday good? Why call this gruesome and grisly event good? Because through Christ's death, our old nature is crucified, put to death, and buried with Him so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer reign in us, but that we may offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice of thankfulness. Thank you, Father, for the 
the glorious gift and benefit of the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your cross, for the benefits that we receive by faith in Christ alone. The merits of our beautiful Savior are beyond our comprehension. And we are so honored to belong to you. God, I pray that by your Spirit you will put sin to death in us. That we may walk in the newness of life with joy and with comfort and with assurance. God, the cross is so good. And we do celebrate it and we should celebrate it. uh, Because of the glory and exaltation of our Christ upon it. Thank you for the Messiah. Thank you that you invite us to the table of the Lord to partake. After we hear the word, God, we partake in this meal of the Lord's Supper together to be further strengthened and nourished by Christ alone. And we thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.